Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. I'm really excited for our guest today as I've long been fascinated by Central Asia. And today we are talking about Tajikistan. To learn more about this incredible region, we have Jan Bakker, author of Cicerone's Trekking in Tajikistan guidebook, and who is also supporting the development of the Pamir Trail, a 1,000 kilometer trail through Tajikistan. Hi, Jan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited because every time I see a photo or video on YouTube of Tajikistan, it looks incredible. Um, but one thing I notice is it's not it's not one of these places that's that's super popular. I feel like there's you know it should be you know people should be flocking there, but it doesn't get as popular as other places. And I was wondering, do you have any idea why you know Tajikistan isn't more popular? Um, it may have to do with the past. Uh, of course, it was for a long time it was part of the Soviet Union, so it was really hard to get there. Uh, and when they gained independence um, in the in the nineties, there was a brutal civil war so also then it was a, a no-go place and basically in the early 2000s uh, people started coming in as it was uh, safer to go there um, but still it was pretty hard you know with visa regulations uh, basically they kept the, the Soviet bureaucracy so it was pretty hard to, uh, to actually visit the country uh, but gradually people start to notice it people uh, the, the Tajik authorities make it easier for tourists to come in. So I think they're just behind, uh, if you compare it to Nepal or uh, India or Peru, you know, it's uh, they're just, just a few decades behind in tourism development. But uh, yeah, it looks like it's, you know, more and more people go there. So um and, and for people that don't, you know, don't know where Tajikistan is, can you maybe just share a little bit about the geography and, and what it's nearby and kind of how the country is, you know, the different parts of the country? As you said, it's in Central Asia. It borders Afghanistan, China, Kyrgyzstan and Uzbekistan. So and it's um, yeah, just right in the heart of Central Asia. And it's, yeah, it's uh, from Europe, for example, it's not even that far. It's a five-hour flight from uh, from Europe. So people have an idea that it's it's really a long journey, but it's essentially crossing the States, I would say. Uh, surprisingly easy to get there uh, via Istanbul, usually, or via Dubai. So, um, yeah. You know, the videos I watch on YouTube, it's got just these incredible landscapes. It looks like it has some incredible trekking what part of the country is the trekking found? Um, well, 93% of the country is mountainous. So basically, you get out of an urban zone and you are in the mountains. Um, so there's, there's essentially two mountain areas, I would say. You've got the northern ranges, as I call it. Uh, so that's all the, the mountain ranges north of the capital, Dushanbe. Uh, and that borders Uzbekistan and Kyrgyzstan. And in the east-southeast of the country, you've got the Pamirs, uh, which is higher in altitude. It's also more remote, harder to get to. It's a long journey to get there. It, it borders uh, Afghanistan, so, but it's, a, it's the third mountainous country in the world. So, yeah, it, mountains are everywhere. And uh, if you want, you can go trekking basically in any, any place in the country. Uh, that sounds uh, incredible. 
Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about the different places to trek. But but before we go there, I'm interested, you know, you've written a guidebook on trekking in Tajikistan. How did you get interested in this country, uh, which, you know, for a lot of people, you know, they've never even heard about it? So my wife works in uh, international development. And Tajikistan was one of her countries. And we thought it would be interesting to... Um, yeah, to add a holiday to one of her work trips. So I just tagged along after her uh, work engagements. We went on a cycle trip uh, on the Pamir Highway, and we also wanted to do some hiking. So I did some research, and there was nothing out there that could help me. There was no information, uh, no decent maps, although there were decent maps, uh, the old Russian topo maps, but there was no literature about it, no guidebook, nothing. So... We, I used um, satellite imaging to establish where I could go hiking, where it would be interesting, especially with the 3D features, uh, in combination with the Russian topographical maps. Um, and I, we just went out to a seemingly random place uh, in the south, in the Waha Corridor, and we stumbled upon this like 6,500-meter mountain, and it was just a half-a-day hike to get there. And... I, I didn't read anything about it anywhere. Uh, and I thought, you know, if this is the potential of the country that you just randomly choose a, a, a hiking route and you get to such an incredible place, there must be so much more. So I was instantly hooked. I said literally to my wife, I'm going to write a book about it. People, <laughs> people, should, know, people should know about this. You know, it's just such an such a, a incredible country uh, when it comes to mountains. Uh, that is the most incredible uh, origin story for the writing of a book I think I've ever heard. Like just to, to go to a place and fall so in love that you have to, you know, write a guidebook, I think is incredible. It was a calling for sure. <laughs> and so obviously it's it's beautiful, you know, this these stunning areas. But what else makes trekking in Tajikistan so, so unique? Like for people who have been trekking in the Himalayas, in Nepal or India, you know, or they've been in the Andes, you know, what's going to be different in, in Tajikistan? Uh, first of all, most of the places are remote. Uh, there are hardly any tourists, so it's very pure. Uh, there are no road signs, way marks. Uh, there's hardly any villages. Uh, so once you're in the mountains, it's, um, yeah, you're on your own. And that makes it, I think, a very pure experience. Uh, having said that, you know, uh, when you go trekking in the higher places, especially the, the, the pastures at, at high altitude, uh, you will find uh, shepherd settlements. And that's also very special, I think. Uh, they usually take you in. They're very, very hospitable. You know, they're asking you to come drink tea with them, you know, eat a yogurt, eat bread. Um, so there is a cultural element to the mountains. Uh, they don't live permanently in these mountains, but that's where they... Uh, basically herd their livestock and they go to the higher higher pastures and that's where they roam so and I think that combination is is, is really great you know uh, you think you're alone you think you're in like pure rugged nature and then suddenly there's a, a shepherd with a big flock of goats and, and sheep and uh, you have a like a, some interaction I mean they speak the, the local mountain languages so some it's often not possible to properly communicate but um yeah, they're, they're very friendly, and, uh, and these encounters make it very special, I think. That sounds incredible. Uh, I'm interested in your book, uh, Trekking into Tajikistan. It highlights 21 treks. And based on your description of how you found you know, your first trek, 
Are these established trekking routes or are these all routes that you were pouring over maps to say, this looks like a good area. I think, I think you could, you know, uh, build a trek here. Well, there was a, at the time, there was already a, a very good map uh, called the Pamirs. Uh, it's a map that's five, one to 500,000 uh, in scale, uh, made by a guy called Marcus Hauser, a Swiss cartographer. And that map was basically the inspiration to go check routes, try routes out. And of course, you look at the topography of a, of a place and, you know, when you see big mountains, uh, glaciers, you, you can already imagine that would be an interesting place to go uh, trekking. So, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, of, these are not official routes, but um, somebody put them out there. And then uh, as, as I went along, I found different routes that were not mapped uh, because of course the deeper you go in the more you, you the more you discover and the more possibilities you see for connecting routes uh, together so um, yeah it's um, I mean but nothing is really officially established there's no branded trail like the Everest Base Camp Trail or the Inca Trail um, you know it's it's um, it's still quite in its infancy I would say is it a case where you're still able to kind of follow like there's, you know, a worn path through the forest or through the alpine? Or is it a case of, you know, you just, you know, you just look and say, okay, I got to make my make my way to that pass and, you know, find my own path because there isn't a well-worn trail to follow? Well, it's a mix. Uh, the shepherds, of course, roam the mountains. They go from the villages to they cross passes and then they set up camp somewhere. So there are a lot of uh, pathways uh, throughout the mountains, but sometimes uh, it's a bit hard. Uh, I mean, some passes are, are difficult and, you know, when a pass is difficult, it, uh, the shepherds don't tend to go over it, whereas we as trekkers, you know, we can we can find our way uh, maybe a little, little bit easier. So uh, it's a mix, but largely the, the places where we, uh, where we mapped the, the trekking routes, there are pretty, pretty decent pathways, I would say, yeah. And, and I'm just just thinking as you're talking, you know, this is not, you know, creating a a guidebook for the Chamonix area where you can do it. And it seems like you could do it in a season. There's all the paths are already there. You just got to go and walk them. This seems to highlight to, to do these 21 treks. It seems like this is a really, you know, really tough project. How long did it take you to actually go and complete these and then, you know, get all the logistics down so you can explain in your book? You know, give people enough information so they can go and do these treks. Well, um, I didn't do it alone. I'm uh, the co-author uh, of the book. So my other co-author, uh, Christine Oriol, she's a French lady. She did a, quite a few treks already in the Pamirs uh, and also in the Fan Mountains. So that's in the north. So it's a um, yeah, it's a joint um, effort to map out all these routes. So I haven't done every single trek in this book because. You know, I've got a life outside of trekking as well. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, so so I've got a family now. So, uh, but um, yeah, no, it's a joint effort. Uh, I, I had a co-author uh, who did a, a few very interesting routes, and we we bundled them together in uh, one guidebook. Uh, well, that that just sounds incredible. That 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 makes a lot more sense because yeah, I couldn't imagine it would take several summers. Uh, of trekking, you know, if not more to try and get these 21 treks, if, you know, considering the remoteness and trying to organize everything. Um, I want to um, uh, talk a little bit about 
some of the tracks that are your favorites or, you know, or, or maybe some that even are, are maybe more accessible for people for their first trip to Tajikistan. And can you highlight a few of the tracks that you think are really special, either they're spectacular or they're just accessible for, for newbies? Yeah, so the last year I guided a trip uh, for a Dutch group uh, in the southern Pamirs. So that's what I, I call the, the Pamir Lake District. So it's a, uh, an area where there's a lot of really beautiful mountain lakes. Uh, and I keep going there. It's, uh, that was my uh, third time in that area. I mean, that's definitely a favorite. It's a, it's a big, big journey to get there. It's uh, about a day and a half to uh, drive to, uh, to get to the trailhead, uh, but definitely worth it. And then the more accessible routes and also for uh, more beginners. Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend uh, one of the tracks in uh, the Fed Mountains. I mean, it's a, a very compact mountain range. Uh, only two and a half hours from the capital, Dushanbe. And yeah, also beautiful mountain lakes. Uh, the passes are generally not as high as in the Pamirs. So, um, but that doesn't mean it's easy, you know, it's still quite tough because these passes are steep. But there are more people there. It's the, the distances are generally shorter, uh, distances per day. Uh, but you still have massive mountains over 5,000 meters with glaciers. Um, yeah, it's an incredible part of uh, Tajikistan as well and a lot more accessible. So short driving time to get there uh, and therefore it's a little busier, but um, definitely worth it. I'm interested in the Pamir Lake District because um, it seems every place that has the word Lake District in the title uh, seems to be spectacular. And I can only imagine a Lake District with these, you know, towering Pamir Mountains uh, above. But for that trip, uh, like what's the length of that trip? And then like what's a typical day? Uh, when you're trekking in the, in the premieres? We planned pretty long days. We had quite an experienced group with us. Um, our trek went eventually from the Bartang Valley, which is uh, it's, it's, it's a big valley that slices the premieres in half, if you will. Uh, and we trekked south to eventually the Wakhan Corridor uh, at the border with Afghanistan. You need to acclimatize. That's the thing. The, the, the mountain passes are pretty high. You know, We went over the highest mountain pass mountain pass we did was five, over 5,000 meters. So you can't just uh, rock up and, and hike up and then, you know, everything will be fine. I mean, it's, it takes a, a few days to actually get accustomed to the, to the altitude. Um, having said that, you know, the, 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 the trail, trails there are not so, so uh, technical. It's not so hard. Um, so you don't have to go very steep. The trails are pretty, pretty clear. So you don't have to uh, walk on rough terrain essentially um but yeah it's i mean i would say the length of a day would be uh between 10 and 15 kilometers with sometimes you need to go and and bite the bullet and do an 18 kilometer day for example but uh um it's 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 not too bad it's just the altitude that affects people and so so, so with the altitude uh, i'm assuming that you know most people are going for kind of at least least two weeks to do a trek just to give them time to acclimatize is that kind of the the length of time if you're going to go trekking in the Pamirs? the trek that we did was 14 days so it's a, that makes it a three three week trip essentially uh so 20 21 days you need some time uh, in the villages below to actually um, start going up um but yeah you, you could do the Pamirs in two weeks if you are willing to uh, sit in a car for a very long time on the Pamir highway just that the highway suggests that it's a smooth tarmac, but it's everything but, you know, it's, uh, 
yeah, bridges collapse sometimes, so you have to wait for a day or uh, two lorries, two, two trucks can, can't pass each other and then it blocks the whole thing. So yeah, it's, um, you do need to build in a few extra days just to make sure you, uh, you can get back on time in Dushanbe for your international flight. And then, and then what's the accommodations like on the trip? Uh, I'm guessing it's probably mostly camping, but uh, you know, for all I know, they do have little tea houses or guest houses you can stay in in some places. Yeah, there's a, a very good network of uh, homestays in the Pamirs, uh, also in the no- northern part, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, which is a great way also to get to know local culture, local food, you know, um, um, although they, they're not likely to speak English. It's, um, yeah, it's a wonderful place usually to, uh, to rest because um, you've got the valleys and then the way it works in the Pamirs, usually you go over a big mountain pass, takes you four or five days and then you go down to another valley and it's likely they have uh, another guest house there, another homestay. So um, yeah, these are wonderful places just to wind down, um, you know, r- rural life, very, very slow and, and easygoing. Um, yeah, no, it's these, these homestays, they, they make a big part of uh, trekking in the, the Pamirs and in the, in the northern part of Tajikistan. A real delight like it's 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 integral part of it for sure uh well that sounds great because uh i was worried people would be carrying all their own gear and tents and sleeping bags and cookers and whatnot but it sounds like uh that's not the case which is always a luxury well good people if you do a, like a four or five day crossing i mean in between of course you camp tajikistan has has tour operators local tour operators that can organize that and more and more so, and the quality has improved massively. Uh, the, you know, the, the the past decade, I would say. So, but you 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 can organize it with uh, full support. Um, so you you know they can organize the tents for you, the the pack animals, uh, guides, these kind of services. Uh, they are available. Uh, you can do it independently as well. It's not like uh, like in Nepal these days where you officially can't trek independently. There, you're basically free to roam, which also makes it very special. You mentioned the Fen Mountains as well as being closer to Dushanbe. And how are those different from the Pamirs? Yeah, as I said, they're, they're very compact. So it's like uh, the Pamirs, but more um, pushed, pushed in. They're not as high as the Pamirs. Um, the highest point is Chimtarka, 5,445 meters. Top of my head, might be a bit higher. Um, but then, yeah, it's um, it's still pretty high, of course, and uh, you've got glaciers. The, the, the approach to the passes is, is usually a lot steeper than in the Pamirs, so it's uh, pretty hard work. You would just do a thousand vertical meter at least uh, a day if you just go track from one uh, one place to the other, and then still you've got all, also these beautiful mountain lakes. You know, crystal clear. Um, you can swim in them. And then, yeah, it's um, Fen Mountains are are also very special. It's a little busier. I mean, that's that's the only downside that it's closer to uh, to, to the big city. But uh, but still, busy is relative. Eh? It's nothing compared to the Tour de Mont Blanc or, uh, <laughs> or or the Inca Trail. I mean, it's still yeah, very very uh, uh, very quiet. I would say. 
Um, you're doing a great job at, at selling just the beauty and the unique experience of, of trekking in Tajikistan. Uh, I was interested in some of the kind of logistical issues around planning a trek. And the first question is, what's the trekking season in Tajikistan? Um, it's fairly short. Uh, generally, I would say uh, for the northern ranges, you can start a bit earlier because the mountain passes are lower. Um, you could start in May and it would end sometime in October when uh, the you know, the weather changes. And the Pamirs, it's shorter because the, the snow on the passes stays for quite long because it's such high altitude. So uh, July, August, September are the best months to go to the Pamirs. You could go in October, but also that's sort of a transition, um, transition in weather. Um, so I, I did it in October and I did have snow. So yeah, it's, um, it's a bit hit and miss. It could be wonderful, but it could also be it's pretty cold in general. I mean, it, it will be cold for sure, like down to minus 15 uh, at night. Not in Fahrenheit, by the way, not in Fahrenheit, <laughs> in Celsius. <laughs> I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit. You mentioned it's actually, you know, remarkably easy to get there. You know, it seems remote, but, you know, there's direct flights from Istanbul. But are there any like visa or entry requirements to get into Tajikistan that you have to plan for in advance? Um, yes, uh, you have to apply for an e-visa online, uh, which is fairly easy to do. And then you also need, uh, a, if you go to the Pamirs, you need a special permit, which is called the GBAO permit. And you could apply for that in the, when you apply for the e-visa, but you could also do it locally uh, and have it done by a tour operator, which I always recommend. Because if you work through a tour operator, they know their way around. Uh, and then you're more likely to get it uh, because uh, sometimes it can be difficult to get that permit. But um, do it through a tour operator, it's usually uh, it's usually a breeze. It sounds like you're suggesting for people for their first trip to you know maybe work with a tour operator to you know plan their transportation, tra- plan their supplies, maybe even supply a guide. Is 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 that what you recommend, or do you think for people their first trip, you know, they can just use a tour operator to just get the uh, tracking permit. Um, yeah, the tracking permit, but I would strongly suggest if you're not a, an experienced tracker or you know it's your first time in a country like Central Asia, uh, it's a great idea to work with a, a local tour operator because they uh, you know they know their way around. Uh, it's very hard to get to places often. Uh, there's no there's hardly any public transport, and if there is, um, it's it takes a very long time. So um, I. I I would definitely recommend working with a tour operator to do uh, at least the first track. And, you know, if you want to come back, then you know your way around a little bit. Um, yeah. Plus, it's good for the local economy if you if you book a, a guide and uh, pack animals. So it's uh, it helps the country. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it's, it's great when you can you know, support local businesses and lo- local people as well as exploring a beautiful country. Um, I was wondering, is Dushanbe worthwhile for a few days before or after your trek to explore, or do most people kind of fly in and immediately go trekking and, and not kind of explore other aspects of Tajikistan? Well, Dushanbe is pleasant, but it's not not anything like the, the cities in Uzbekistan, for example. You know, it's not it doesn't have really grand mosques with mosaics and, and all that. Uh, but it's a very pleasant city. It's very laid back. Uh, they've got some good restaurants and places to uh, to eat. It's a, it's a great place to acclimatize for travel further uh, into uh, into the country. So, uh, but I, th- I would say for me personally, 
you know, one day is enough. And, um, and then, you know, I, I always go straight to the mountains, but it has less to do with Dushanbe, I guess, and more to do with the beautiful mountains. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Uh, one last question on kind of like just the, the, the trek planning. Are there any issues that people need to be aware of in terms of like safety issues or issues with, you know, getting, you know, tummy troubles that are common trekking in, in uh, Tajikistan? In the mountains themselves, uh, I would say, you know, you've got those shepherds and they also have big dogs to, uh, to guard the, the camp. Uh, that's definitely an issue that you should be aware of uh, when you go trekking in uh, the mountains of Tajikistan because, uh, you know, they're trained to fight off wolves and bears. So they're pretty foul and anyone just getting too close, um, yeah, they, they may attack. So uh, whenever you hear a dog barking and that's, they give warning signs, you know, steer clear from the place or just, just back off because, uh, you know, these, these are very big, very, very mean dogs. Um, in the mountains themselves, other than that, not so much, I would say, uh, you know, it is remote. And in that sense, you need to be aware that if you, for example, sprain an ankle or you break something, help is pretty far away and there's no mountain rescue. So, um, what I would recommend, lots of people take a satellite phone or maybe in reach, you know, so people, you can, you can message somebody, uh, when things go, have gone wrong. Um, but yeah, you need to have a plan, uh, in terms of communication or, a, uh, evacuation plan, how to get out. And if you're alone, you know, it can be very hard to reach uh, civilization or any medical help. Uh, these, these, I think the, the main issues when you're, when you're trekking there. Yeah. And that's, that's great advice in terms of always having a, a plan, even here in the Canadian Rockies, uh, I have my in reach cause uh, it's easy to get away from the tourist areas. So, yeah, if you you break your leg, uh, if you don't have a way to reach somebody, somebody may not be on that trail for you know a day or two. And uh, being stuck on a trail injured is it always sucks. But in Tajikistan, it sounds like it's much bigger impact because uh, you may not have someone passing the next day or the day after. You could be stuck there for quite a while, which uh, is you know super super dangerous. It is, yeah, correct. You're also working. Uh, to create the Pamir Trail, which is a thousand kilometer uh, trekking route through Tajikistan. What's your vision for, for the project? It was born during COVID times, actually, because, uh, you know, it, it was always in my head. When I did the research for the, for the guidebook, uh, I noticed that so many trails connect. You know, we did several trekking routes, but we made sure that they connected with another one. And I thought, you know, with a country that's, consists 93% of mountains, you know, there must be a way to connect them all and go from one end of the country uh, to the other. The reason why I did it, partly because I love just exploring uh, the place and, uh, and, and creating routes, that's something I, I do, you know, whether I'm cycling or whether I'm, uh, whatever I'm doing, I, I'd like to kind of, it's sort of my creative outlet, if you will. Um, but I also recognize that a lot of uh, mountain valleys uh, hardly profit from, from tourism because they are dead-end valleys, you know, There's, pe- people don't go there. Uh, the country is, it's the poorest country in Central Asia. There's hardly any economic uh, opportunities in, the, in Tajikistan. So I thought, how cool would it be that you connect these dead-end valleys by a, a long-distance hiking trail so people can actually... Um, 
start small businesses for example you know if, if the trail really becomes popular um, people can start a new homestay in a place where normally would there wouldn't be tourists or a little shop or maybe somebody trains as a guide or rents out his pack animals so it's basically um, yeah partly selfish because I love doing it <laughs> but I recognize that also uh, could have like quite a significant uh, economic impact for uh, remote mountain communities we i actually talked with um uh some guides from turkey on the podcast three or four months ago and they talked about the the lycian way which i've always mispronounced the the lycian way um but it literally has done exactly what you said it's it's created all this economic opportunity for these small villages that really had had no source of outside income and so uh, explosion in homestays, you know, farming, you know, farmers selling their, their, you know, wares locally, uh, and just bringing this kind of this steady stream of tourists into these remote villages and has been tremendous, especially for the local community, because there's not enough people for, you know, big hotel chains to move in, but there's been just enough economic opportunity to really benefit every town along the way. And I think it's super inspirational what you're, what you're trying to do in Tajikistan, because it is, it's, it's one of the ways we can impact people's lives is, you know, working to spend our money locally with the people that live in the places we're visiting. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, Tajikistan, like the whole of Central Asia, it's embedded in a, uh, hospitality is embedded in the culture. Even if they don't do it as a business, you know, I've been I've been invited in homes and stay at homes so many times just as a as a as somebody passing through, um, and if they can make a little bit of money out of that, you know, that's that's great. And it, at first they would, you know, I mean, I wanted to give money, they refused. They they're they're proud people. They they just think, okay, this is what we do. You know, this is something that's part of our culture. But of course, um, if they can make a living out of it, that would even be better because um, that means that they get hard currency. They can they can buy uh, supplies that they they normally uh, are not able to get. So uh, yeah, it's um, I hope it will uh, have a, like a positive impact on uh, on the whole region essentially. I'm sure it, sure it will. And and I just gotta say, it's it's hugely inspirational to hear just. You know, you fell in love with the place and you realize there's no guidebook. So you wrote a guidebook and then you realize there's the opportunity for a, you know, thousand kilometer trekking trail and you're, you're working to build that. Uh, it's cool to meet someone who's just so dedicated to taking action when they see a problem. Cause a lot of people, they say, oh, maybe we could fix that, but I'm just going to leave it. And so uh, I just want to say thanks for sharing your experience and sharing all, all this information about Tajikistan on the podcast today. Yeah, um, it's my big pleasure. I mean, I love talking about the place. And so Yan uh, has a book, Trekking in Tajikistan. It's a Cicerone guidebook. You can buy it directly from Cicerone on their website. Uh, they ship around the world. You can also find it on Amazon as well. Uh, if people want to check check out this uh, Pamir Trail, where can they find more information on it, Yan? So we, uh, I've got a website uh, called pamirtrail.org. Uh, and there you can find, uh, you know, background information about the trail, but also um, how to do it. Uh, so for every stage that we already uh, mapped out, there's detailed information, there's a map, uh, there's some trail beta. So you can, um, yeah, you can go there and, and either for inspiration or if you actually are trying to, to hike a part of the trail, 
um, yeah, it's it, some some parts are already done, so you can you can hike for a month on the Pamir Trail, and um, and I've got all the information you need uh, on it. So that's PamirTrail.org. Uh, that's incredible. Uh, if anyone does decide to go out and start trekking this this summer, please get in touch because it would be really cool to hear uh, hear of people that are going out and uh, and starting trekking on this. Uh, I'll put a link to uh, Yan's website as well as where to buy the guidebook in the show notes. Uh, and with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 Adventures.